0: Good evening and thank you for taking your time to speak with us today. Would you like to start by introducing yourself?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Jonathan Baker. I'm a PA uh, and I've been a PA for 12 years. I currently work at a private practice in uh, New York City called Laser Surgery Care. Previously I worked at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I've been practicing for 12 years. Uh, initially in infectious diseases and now I'm in colorectal surgery Uh, and so I get to combine those two specialties together into a really special practice that focuses on um, colorectal surgery but with with the background in infectious diseases. Um, I have a couple of leadership positions uh, that I'll mention now uh, and I'm not speaking on behalf of any of these organizations uh, but I am currently the president of the New York State Society of PAs the AAPA liaison to GLMA, Health Professionals Advancing LGBTQ Equality, uh, a delegate for the AAPA, and a past president of the LBGTPA caucus.
2: So what exactly is a PA, and what exactly is the field and path that you're in?
1: So PAs are medical professionals um, who diagnose illness, uh, develop and manage treatment plans, prescribe medications, uh, and can serve patients in a whole number of ways, ranging from specialists to um, even being a patient's principal health care provider or primary care provider. Uh, we're trained in the medical model, so our model of training is based off of what physicians do. Um, all PA programs have a physician medical director, um, and I have physicians sort of across our profession to ensure that our standard of, of education is in line with uh, what physicians have. In my field, uh, me and one other PA work together with uh, two surgeons, um, and we see we each see our independent panels of patients throughout the day. Um, <clears throat> in my field, uh, we do a lot of. Um, physical examinations, including anorectal examinations with uh, a procedure called anoscopy. Uh, we do a lot of other procedures. So I do a lot of biopsies. Sometimes we do um, what's called hypercation, which is using like an electro- electrical current to burn something that might be like a skin tag or a wart. Um, and, uh, and it's very hands-on. And that might be totally different from what a PA in, in another, another specialty does.
0: So what would you say your typical day looks like?
1: So my job uh, is Monday through Friday, nine to five, um, pretty pretty typical working hours. Uh, I see patients every 20 minutes uh, and then have some block time for lunch and a little bit of block time for administration, uh, which might be things like calling patients, following up on prescriptions, um, dealing with any issues in the office that might arise. Um, it tends to be fairly low stress, uh, but sometimes patients get backed up. Sometimes serious diagnoses happen uh, and and it can get very stressful. Uh, And again, that might be totally different. I know a lot of PAs who work um, weekends or evenings or who might work like three shifts of work uh, a week, but they're 12 hour shifts. Uh, So a lot of variation in, in what it might look like.
2: So what was your career path? Because I know like, in order to go to PA school, you need to fill out like a lot of requirements and prerequisites. So what exactly was your career path into becoming a PA?
1: So becoming a PA is so challenging um, and, and increasingly so. So when I applied for PA school, it was a completely different uh, process. Uh, and, and looking at the age of you too, this will probably be like shocking to you. I actually filled out a piece of paper for my application. Uh, it was not electronic, <laughs> uh, which is, is so funny to me to think back to that. Um, I was really fortunate uh, that my, my mom was a nurse and, and her and I discussed what I wanted to do in the future. And originally I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, and we started talking about the PA profession, and there were a lot of things that I liked about it, uh, and I think we'll probably get into a lot of those, uh, and ultimately decided to do that while in high school. And so um, I applied to a couple of programs that actually didn't require clinical hours, uh, and, and the program that I ultimately got accepted at, I got a- accepted at the very beginning, and so I went into undergrad knowing that I would go immediately into uh, into graduate school and get, and get my master's in PA. Um, now the average PA applicant has, I think about 3000 hours of clinical experience going into it. Um, and, and it's become so competitive. Uh, but I think what's really cool about the competition is a lot of the schools really focus on that, that previous clinical experience um, so that we can take that with us into our, into our futures. Uh, I don't I, I'm not sure that I would actually get into PA school so easily uh, this time around, but but we don't have to worry about that.
0: Um, so you mentioned earlier that you were specialized. Um, why did you select this specialty and um, what kind of interests you about it apart from other specialties?
1: So I um, I have a, a really fortunate background. Um, I am openly gay. I came out to my family at a, at a fairly young age, um, and that went okay. I, and then I've been able to be open with my with my friends and, and in my professional life, actually, um, the whole time. And somewhere along the line, I sort of thought a lot about that privilege and thought, I'm in an opportunity where I could really um, take the privilege that I've had and, and hopefully help someone out. Uh, and so, through college, I was involved with a couple of organizations that were LGBTQ-focused. And ultimately, uh, when we were looking at my clinical rotation schedule, I, I spoke with our clinical coordinator, and I said I would really love to do LGBTQ health. Um, and and was so fortunate to get to go to LA uh, to a place that's now called the LGBTQ Center. Uh, and. and and do my last rotation there. And so for six weeks, I, I practiced this medicine and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I saw this population who looked like me, who, um, and who liked looking like me, right? They saw someone who looked like them. And so when I gave them advice, they knew that this was someone who they could trust. Um, and so what's ended up happening is that I like I said, I started in infectious diseases, uh, where I did a lot of work with HIV prevention and HPV and sexual health. And I came to this practice, which had some of that stuff, but I got to bring with it uh, some additional elements that um, that that weren't necessarily part of that practice when I had started. And so for example, uh, we implemented what's called a, a prep clinic. And so I prescribed medication to my patients that prevent them from getting HIV. Uh, and so this patient population that we see, which is a lot of LGBTQ individuals at a disproportionate risk, now have this extra service provided to them um, in our office. Um, One of the other things though that I really love about it is is a big part of what we do is looking at HPV disease. And so HPV is best known for causing cancer in the cervix. Um, However, it can also cause cancer in the anus. And two populations that tend to get cancer of the anus are people living with HIV and um, men who have sex with men or gay men. Um, in the 90s, no one paid any attention to that uh, until a couple of pioneers, including one of my physician colleagues, started noticing that they were seeing these anal precancers and maybe we could do something like th- about it the same way that we do in the cervix. And so my whole, that whole field of medicine has actually evolved just in the last 30 years. It basically, basically didn't exist before that. And so what's really cool about our practice is we might see a clinical research trial come out, I might read it in the morning, and in the afternoon I might, I might change what I'm doing clinically uh, because the medicine's evolving so quickly.
2: So what would you say are the advantages and disadvantages of your field?
1: So the, I really, really love my, my, um, my field, both as being a PA and, and the one that I work in. Um, so I'm just going to throw a bunch of random pieces out there. Uh, what I, I think I was really fortunate to know that I wanted to become a PA early on. Most PA programs are about 27 months long. Uh, I think mine was somewhere around there. And so I ended up actually graduating and practicing medicine at the age of 22, uh, which, you know, is, is wild for me to think back. Um, and so getting there really quickly was great. I worked with a really wonderful physician uh, who really mentored me and, and helped me get my career started. Uh, and that, that PA-physician relationship is so important. Um, and PA is being part of a, of a team. I worked with great nurses who... Um, who really taught me a lot. Um, and what we do really well is we get this generalist training where we sort of know the basics of medicine and then get into a job where we can, can really like mold into that and become part of that. Um, and so I got to sort of take all of these pieces from what I was learning from the nurses and the physicians and even the MAs uh, and even the person at the front desk and, and sort of pull all that together and, and create this, this job that I love. Um, in terms of, of my field, I really enjoy working Monday through Friday uh, a lot. I enjoy that I'm not, you know, going into the hospital on weekends or, or dealing with things on holidays, um, and there are some people who just absolutely eat that up, and they love doing it, uh, and they generally work in trauma or emergency medicine or something like that. I, I enjoy... Um, I don't go into the operating room at all, which a lot of surgical PAs do. A lot of surgical PAs will assist in surgery. Um, I get to sort of be like the hand holder a lot of times. So I might see the patient for their first visit, let them know what their diagnosis is, let them know what kind of surgery we're gonna do. Uh, They see the surgeon have their surgery and then often come back to me and we go through recovery. Um, And I sort of get to like hold their hand through that process. One of the unfortunate things about HPV is it tends to recur and come back. And so a lot of times patients have a surgery and then they'll they'll probably continue to need care, which might be another surgery. It might be medical care um, where we use prescriptions. Um, and so I really love that element of it. And the surgeons love that. I don't want to be in the operating room because that's where they want to be. Um, but like I said, other surgical PAs may end up in, in the operating room and, and totally love that, just not for me.
0: Um, so I know there's a lot of thoughts about being a PA, um, saying that it's basically the same as a nurse practitioner or an NP. Um, how would you disregard this and what is your overall opinion about it?
1: Um, so I love NPs. Um, I think that they're, they're absolutely wonderful healthcare providers. I'm so happy to be part of, of um healthcare teams that include NPs. Um, I I think a lot of where that comes from is is sometimes there's jobs that are are both sort of applicable to a PA or an NP. Um, The big difference though is that, NPs go through uh, advanced practice nursing training, right? And so they learn nursing, and then they sort of build on that, um, but stick in that same model. And then they're ultimately typically overseen by boards of nursing. Um, and have their, everything sort of is in this nursing model, whereas we have, like I mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're trained in the medical model. We always have a physician medical director for our programs. We're overseen by the board of medicine or something similar to that, which is typically uh, largely a physician group. Uh, although we're increasingly seeing PAs on that board, which makes a lot of sense, right? Cause we should be overseen by the, the people who know what we're doing. Um the other big difference, though, is that we get this very generalist uh, training, and so we learn we learn all of it, uh, and we learn primary care, and we learn surgery, and we learn gynecology and pediatrics, and uh, get little touches of cardiology and nephrology, and and all of these all of these subspecialties. Nurse practitioners actually have a. Um, like a population focus. And so they might become a pediatric nurse practitioner or geriatric or um, women's health or something like that. And so then they stick within that, in that population. Uh, one of the advantages of being a PA is because we're not restricted in that way, because we're, we're generously, I don't know if that's a word, because we're trained in a generalist model, uh, we, can, we can switch specialties and we can also like build this really cool thing. Um, and like I said, I have my infectious disease background plus my colorectal surgery current position, and get to combine that. Um, and I know people who just like jumped all over the place, uh, and then they end up having this really cool skill set that um, that honestly you really wouldn't see in any other type of provider, because um, the majority of other healthcare providers tend to go into one track and 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 stick down that road.
2: So you talked about how you, like, you knew that you wanted to be a PA, like, really early on. So what really interested you into, like, pursuing, uh, into pursuing the career of a PA and who else, like, would you say, like, fits into this career based on your perspective?
1: Yeah, um, I knew really early on. The thing that I loved about it was that flexibility to change specialties. Um, And... And when I was in high school, like many high schoolers, like my attention was always going in different places, and I was like, I don't want to be stuck in one in one specialty for my whole life. Um, and and then that said, I've now been at my current job seven years with no no plans of leaving, and so I kind of like like being stuck in the specialty that I'm in, but I also like having that option. So that was the biggest thing that attracted me um, to the field, I think the type of person who makes a great PA is often someone who has a lot of healthcare experience already. And so maybe you've worked as an MA or a scribe or uh, a radiology tech or, or a respiratory therapist or something like that. And you really want to take it to the next level where you're seeing patients, having your own panel, writing prescriptions, performing procedures, um, but you already have that medical background. And so it's a really great place for someone like that. I think it's a, a great um, opportunity for people who are really team focused. Uh, what, what PAs do really well is work within their teams. And so I work with my physician colleagues and I work with nurses and I work with MAs um, and we all, all work together to be a team. Um, so someone who's team focused, who enjoys that idea of flexibility, whether they end up doing it or not. And then unlike myself, someone who has a ton of healthcare experience before uh, is a great candidate for for a PA program.
0: So kind of going back to your education, um, what would you say was your or what would you say was your path regarding your major and the degrees you ended up with?
1: So my my path was a bit unusual um, because I, I applied to PA school before um like very very early on and so when I started my freshman year of college like that's that's where I was headed um my undergraduate degrees in um a bachelor in health science which I think is probably not all that meaningful uh and I suppose I could do something else with that it was really just the the jumping off point to go into uh to get my master's in PA studies um and I, I don't know if here's the, the point for it, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into it. Um, there are now doctoral programs, um, and there's a number of different titles that they have. The most common sort of doctoral program for PAs is a, a doctorate in medical, um, medical sciences. Uh, and that sort of builds on what we learn in, in PA school. It adds some more sort of administrative and public health Uh, types of aspects. All the programs are a little bit different. Um, So some PAs go into that eventually. It doesn't necessarily change a whole lot about um, what our license would be or anything like that. It's just a way to advance education. One of the other things that I see a lot of PAs do is get additional advanced degrees, things like a PhD or an MPH or um, an MBA, a master's of business. Uh, and, and get to use that and, um, and sort of explore different parts of, of a healthcare career in that way.
2: So what are some tips that you could give high school students if they are planning on pursuing um, the career of being a PA? Such
1: a, such a, big, uh, such a big piece of advice. Um, I, I think really explore all of the different health professions um, there's so many similarities and, and there's typically more similarities between health professions than there are differences. And so really think about what you want um, as, you're, as you're starting to explore that. And you can go get your undergraduate in, in biology or, or something along those lines and sort of decide later. Um, if you can shadow, which you know of course is really difficult right now uh, with COVID and everything, but if you can get in and shadow Uh, maybe you have a family friend who who is a healthcare worker, Um, get in there and see what people are doing and see what their day-to-day looks like. And the more of that that you can possibly do, the better. And then, you know, if you're thinking about PA, it really is largely about that healthcare experience. Uh, And so trying to find opportunities to work as a uh, scribe or a medical assistant or or in some type of patient-facing way um, That's going to give you a really big leg up on the on the application.
0: So kind of going off of that, um, what extracurriculars do you recommend towards high school and college students that you think would um, not only build up their resume and application forms, but also um, their skill sets?
1: Um, I'm gonna give you two answers on this that are totally different. Uh, and the first is my recommendation, which is, uh, like I said, if you can get into some type of healthcare work, um, do a lot of shadowing and that sort of thing. Um, there's plenty of healthcare organizations. Um, there's, there's pre-PA clubs. Those did not exist 12 years ago when I, uh, when I was graduating PA school. Um, there's a lot of like healthcare fraternities and that sort of thing. So, so definitely that is, is all going to give you um, give you connections, it's going to give you uh, a better understanding of medicine. One of the best things that I did uh, as a curricular extracurricular was theater. Um, and uh, I did theater all through my undergrad. I did a little bit in grad school, but it, it was a little too grueling to, to be focused on that as much as I wanted to. But what that's allowed me to do is I get up on a stage in front of a thousand of my peers and educate them um, on my specialty, which I'm which I'm passionate about. And so I really love to do that Um, and and also gives me opportunities that I love where where that group of peers is is maybe a bunch of PAs or it might be a bunch of PAs and a bunch of MPs and a bunch of physicians. Um, And so Whenever I'm, whenever I'm hiring in our office, I really look at those extracurriculars. I want to see something unique. I want to see something that 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 makes someone more well-rounded, um, because I think that that's really, really important. If you're completely focused on healthcare your whole life, then it can be hard to connect with patients on different things. So you, I really, I really love to see someone who has experience in all these different places. Um, I'm not a sports person, but if I see like someone went really far in a, in a sport, that's awesome. Like, then I know you can be a team player. I know that you have the commitment to get up at like 6 a.m. and go to practice before you have your classes. Uh, so do not underestimate those sort of extracurriculars that are non-medical. I really think they make us more well-rounded as healthcare providers later in life.
2: So would you like to share any like, favorite, memorable, or funny experiences that you had?
1: Um, sure I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little heavy here because I just I just had an experience um, that, that meant a lot to me um, I had a, a patient who I've been seeing for years and years and um, he splits his time living in the US and then living out of the US and called me and he had a bunch of symptoms um, and he was really really worried that he had HIV <coughs> And so he went and got tested and the test came back positive. Um, And he was obviously devastated by this. And he, we kept talking on the phone and he just, he was like, I don't know what to do. And he ultimately ended up flying back to the U.S. Um, I saw him the day that he got back. and, And we just sat there and talked for like 20 minutes. And then I drew his blood and did some additional testing. Um, and and he just kept saying like I'm so glad that I have you here with me for this. I don't know what I would do otherwise. Um, and uh, and we're actually still going through this. I'm I'm still waiting on those labs to come back uh, and see what ends up happening. Um, but it, it it was so. It, it, it's been the focus of my career to care for my community, and it, and it was. Um, it just meant so much to this patient to have my comfort and, and, and have me be there with him. Um, and, and that just really like makes it all worth it. Um, those, those kind of experiences are, are great. Um, and then I'll flip that and give you a funny story, uh, which was, I, in my first job, uh, I was seeing a patient and, uh, I, saw this patient and then left and saw another patient. I walked out of the exam room and the whole staff was like standing around looking at me and like cracking smiles. And I was like, oh no, what happened? And sort of separate and there's this big bouquet of flowers there um, and a little card that says, thanks for the gentle finger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the patient's phone number which of course nothing came of that uh but it was just like such a such a silly experience um so lots of lots of ups and downs in in medicine
2: okay so to wrap things up do you have any last minute tips or advice to give your listeners
1: um I know that you all talk to to healthcare providers and different specialties and different types of healthcare providers, uh, which is really, really awesome. Uh, and I love that you gear this towards people who are, who are determining what they wanna do. Um, I really, really would tell you to strongly consider uh, the PA profession. I think that we're... Um, there's a there's a saying that PRs PA's are the solution. We know that there is a healthcare shortage in the U.S. Um, and that's that's anticipated to just grow exponentially in the next couple of years. And if COVID's taught us anything, it's that our healthcare our healthcare systems are not ready for something to go wrong. Um, and and I really do believe that PA's get the education, knowledge, and training to be really important team members. Um, and the majority of people I know in the in the field just absolutely love it so definitely consider it compare it to the other professions it might not be for you um, but if it if it's a good fit I promise you you're going to be happy in it.
0: Okay and finally do you have anything that you want to plug in for our listeners like any um, socials or any projects that you're working on?
1: Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Rectal Rockstar, uh, which I use as a sort of like personal and professional platform. I talk a lot about the work that I do. I talk a lot about the PA profession, um, and and I'll connect you with other other people who are who know all about PAs. I think that's that's all I've got there. And thank
0: you so much for today, um, and for all our listeners. You can find them or you can find him on his instagram at rectal rockstar and we hope to see you all on the medical your shot show next time thank you so much
1: yeah